Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Brad Young, at your service this evening on KMOX. Hey, I forgot to mention, you know my law firm, Harris, Dowell, Fisher, and Young. If you ever want to send me an email, I love getting feedback from listeners. Always respond every single time. My email address is bjoung, so it's the letter B, Y-O-U-N-G, at harrisdowell.com. H-A-R-R-I-S as in Sam, D as in David, O-W-E-L-L. Com. In the meantime, if you want to call in, phone lines will be open until 9.15 this evening. And we've got an interview coming up in the second segment. But we're talking about cancel culture. 314-436-7900. Gary's been holding through that break. Hey, Gary, welcome to Camo X. Thank you for your time. What's on your mind? Well, I'd like to thank you for uh, your time and everything else and your job. And thank you for keep, keeping Camo you know viable especially with your guests but uh as far as the cancer culture and everything else of that not to show my age but back in the old days when i was mm. you know about 10 years old and everything else of that you had the libertarians you know females burning their bras yeah. my grandmother's going spastic and you had a uh, gay and lesbian and everything else that and all passed through and everything else of that and they're going like, okay, we want our freedom of speech. How come they decide now that we are denied, you know, we are denied our freedom of speech? Well, I, I can answer that question, Gary. And, of course, I'm answering it not as an advocate because I am a free speech guy. If I agree with you, if I don't agree with you, I love free speech. That's why I'm on Camo X. I don't need no. a job. I can promise you that. I've got a daytime job. Yeah. But I do this because no, I, 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 I agree with you there. I but, agree with you there, but, but I'm but just I saying. Answer. I why? can answer your question. Here's the reason why. Have you ever heard the phrase that history is written by the victors? And that's a phrase that's used that says whoever actually wins or prevails gets to write the history books. And unfortunately, today, when you look at social media, when you look at mainstream media, when you look at uh, uh, when you look at the publishing media, it's primarily those who are liberal. So when the liberals were on the outs, in other words, when they were not in control in the 60s and early 70s, then it was I want my free speech. I want my free speech. But now that predominantly liberals control most mass media, not all. But most mass media, certainly most television networks, and certainly the publishing media, and absolutely social media, now that the liberals are in charge, 
Now they want to squelch the free speech. And that's the reason why, because they can't, their sensitive ears simply cannot handle any dissenting opinions. Does that make sense? It makes sense. But unfortunately, when I was growing up and everything else, that all the books I had and everything else, they were more or less level for both sides, mm-hmm. including the, the old history books for World War I and World War II and African-American history books and everything else like that. They were all even leveled. You know, yeah, but so, not so much anymore, are they? Uh, I haven't seen one lately and everything else like that, <laughs> but I guarantee you right now the ones that uh, I used to read and everything else yet, and the ones that I grew up with, and some of them were written by well-documented writers and everything else like that, supported by the school system and the college system, they probably got burnt. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately, that's probably true. Hey, Gary, uh, I appreciate you calling in this evening. Thanks for your time, and thanks for listening to KMOX. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. And, uh, uh, you know, Gary makes a good point. And what occurs to me is is that, uh, like I said, those who are the victors get to write the history, and we're certainly seeing that right now because Maxine Waters, she was never, ever squelched for what she said. She was never reprimanded. She was never canceled. She was never attempted to be kicked out of Congress because she told protesters in Minneapolis to stay on the street. I'm reading it. It's on CNN, so it's not like I'm reading this on Fox News or something. They said, stay on the street and get more confrontational. Get more confrontational if Derek Chauvin is acquitted. So she was advocating people take val- to take violence. She was advocating violence. Nobody canceled her. She didn't get kicked off of Twitter. She didn't lose her Instagram feed. There was no repercussions. Uh, Her Facebook page wasn't taken down. But you know what Facebook did? And and, no, actually, it was his Twitter. Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, I believe it is Eric Trump's wife, Laura Trump, is running for office. I don't know where. I don't know what the office is. But a few weeks ago... She played an audio clip of Donald Trump. He wasn't saying anything. He was endorsing Laura Trump for whatever political office she is running for. And Twitter took down her feed. They took down her Twitter page because she aired the voice of Donald Trump. He wasn't saying anything. He wasn't citing anything. He wasn't spouting anything about the election. He wasn't saying that the election was rigged or or that uh, you should be shooting chlorine in your veins. He wasn't saying anything. It was just his voice. And folks, simply hearing Donald Trump's voice on Twitter caused them to suspend her account. That's where we are when it comes to high-tech companies, censorship, and the squelching of primarily one side of the political discourse. And that just drives me crazy. We're going to switch topics here after the break because I wanted to talk to Ray McCarty. He's the president and CEO of Associated Industries because one of the stories that we heard this week, actually at the end of last week, was that there are lots of jobs, but no one apparently can fill those jobs. Even though we've got millions of people allegedly unemployed, Folks aren't applying for jobs, and our jobs numbers were dismal uh, on Friday nationwide. And we're going to talk to Ray McCarty to talk about why 
are these employment numbers so sluggish? What's causing it? And we're also going to hear about the latest legislation coming out of Jefferson City regarding COVID-19. Brad Young here at your service on Camo X. We'll be right back. All the news and all that matters to you. The voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. You know who's a sharp-dressed man? Well, first, somebody that's got a job. That's who's a sharp-dressed man. And <laughs> and secondly, who's got a sharp-dressed man is Ray McCarty. He's the president and CEO of Associated Industries of Missouri. It's uh, Missouri's oldest general business trade association. Hey, Ray, welcome back to Camo X. Brad, thanks for having me back, and I don't think I'm a sharp-dressed man. In fact, I've been told that I look so much better with my mask on that they never want me to get vaccinated, so well, I can wear my mask all the time. Well, you're talking to a guy who's got a face for radio, so we're in the same boat on that one. Me too. You all too. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I wanted to talk to Ray McCarty. Again, he's the president and CEO of Associated Industries of Missouri because one of the things that's been emphasized recently is jobs, jobs, jobs. And uh, I want to talk to Ray. He's got his finger on the pulse of of uh, the business community in Missouri, but also there's been a lot of bills coming out of uh, Jefferson City here at the end of the legislative term. So I wanted to to uh, turn to Ray McCarty to get his perspective. Let's start though with uh, with the COVID legislation. What type of legislation have we seen this year? Uh, uh, when it comes to uh, COVID protections for small businesses? You know, we have several different categories even of bills. There were just a plethora of bills that were filed uh, for COVID liability. Some of them provided protection for health care workers and for health care establishments. Um, others provided, uh, and we rolled all of them into to one bill, Senate Bill 51, that protects people who make products. You know, we asked a lot of our manufacturers in Missouri to switch what they were doing and start making the personal protective equipment, the masks and gowns and everything, in the very early days of COVID. And the fear was always that somebody would, would file a lawsuit against somebody that doesn't normally make masks and say, well, that mask that you made didn't protect me enough, and so I'm going to sue you, and you're going to lose your business because you tried to help out. Um, so we have product liability uh, protection rolled into Senate Bill 51 and health care uh, protection and then premises liability for those businesses who have customers and employees coming and going. You know, COVID was a surprise to everyone, and we didn't really um, know how to handle it, and a lot of local governments uh, reacted differently depending on where you were in the state. And so the other category of bills for COVID that address COVID liability and and COVID protections are really to protect businesses from overactive uh, local governments that maybe uh, Mm -hmm. handled things a little uh, differently than in other parts of the state. Of course, the state had shut down for a very short period of time, and then the governor reopened the state but allowed local uh, governments to do whatever they wanted to do locally. And some local governments really were restrictive and others were not. Well, that's what Um, I wanted to get to, Ray, and that is that uh, uh, in this Senate Bill 51, isn't there a provision that would limit the ability of, say, any county executive, I'm not pointing to anyone in particular, but a county executive of, of a major portion of the state, uh, it would prevent that county executive from unilaterally 
uh, instituting uh, health and safety rules when it comes to uh, re- responding to a pandemic unless there was approval given by Jefferson City. Is that essentially? Well, they, they have uh, limits on what you can do. So you could do it for, for a reasonable period of time, but you couldn't just shut things down for a really long period of time unless you did come to the come to the state and, exactly. and have action taken there. That's right. And, you know, it, it's very difficult. I don't know if you're having the same problem there that we're having here in central Missouri, but in central Missouri, we're having difficulty with restaurants being open in the dining rooms. A lot of them have switched to only drive-thrus, not because of, of COVID, but because they can't find workers to come in and work, you know, inside the restaurant. Um, we had one that, that had a sign on their door saying, one person showed up today, be nice to them. You know, I mean, that's it's pretty ridiculous when when you get to that that point. So the the shutdowns do cause harm and it has caused another problem that I think you wanted to talk about as well. And that's the unemployment situation. And right. But before we move on, though, again, we're talking to Ray McCarty. He's the president and CEO of Associated Industries of Missouri, Missouri's oldest general business trade association. Uh, You mentioned restaurants. And just last week here in St. Louis, Ray, there was a there was a job fair at the Chase Park Plaza, the iconic Chase Park Plaza in the central West End. And this job fair was put on by the Central West End Restaurant Association to hire because they're desperate for employees. They're willing to hire. And I, and please don't quote me on the exact number, but I think they were advertising that there were job openings for hundreds and hundreds of positions and like five people showed up. Yeah, that's not unusual. Um, you know, you, you would think something like that. Well, you, you might look at it and say, well, what was wrong with their marketing or whatever? There was nothing wrong with their marketing because the same thing happened. I was in Lebanon, Missouri, a few weeks ago, and they had the same problem there. They have several manufacturing uh, outlets mm-hmm. there, manufacturing uh, uh shops there. They were trying to find people, and they had a big job fair. The three employers went together. They had like 30 positions open in Lebanon, Missouri. They got zero applicants. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable, and and it's it's a problem that, you know, started when we our economy was just, you know, really super hot when COVID hit. And then, you know, because of the shutdowns, I think that, that changed maybe the mindset of some people. I don't know, but... Um, Something happened because we can't get those people to come back to work now, and and there are a couple of reasons, I think, for that, too. Well, uh, one of the reasons that I've been talking about a lot has been uh, the unemployment benefits that are being given. I mean, I'm all in favor of helping people when there aren't jobs available. But now, in, in many instances, someone can make more money staying at home watching Oprah during the day than they can going out and getting a job. Have you seen that, or if you're, have your members complained about that particular aspect of, of the coming out of the pandemic? Absolutely. I'm hearing that from, from a lot of different people. And, you know, there are people that have figured out how to game the system. It seems like, you know, whenever you have a program that's out there to try to help people, there are people who take advantage of it and maybe take unfair advantage of it. And I think that's what we're seeing now. You know, that un- those unemployment benefits were there for people that couldn't find a job when the economy was trying to get back on its feet. Um, but the federal government keeps making it worse, I think, by extending those those federal unemployment payments. Um, you can make $600 a week sitting at home, not lifting a finger. That's $15 an hour. Um, you know, combined state and federal unemployment. And if you have children, you don't have to pay daycare costs. 
Mm-hmm. So it's very attractive. And, and what we find is happening, you know, you're not supposed to be able to get your unemployment if you're called back to work by the place that laid you off or if you have gone out and applied for a job and they offer you a job, um, you're not supposed to be able to continue to, to collect your unemployment. What we're finding are employers are trying to call workers that they've laid off back to work and the employees are not answering the phone, listening to the message and never Goodness. calling back. And so they they have not technically rejected the job offer. Exactly. But, you know, and the same things, right, right. And the same thing is happening with people who are going out and doing their quote unquote job searches. They'll go and, and apply at a place and maybe even interview at a place. And then when the place calls to offer them the uh, job, they just don't answer the phone and don't call back. So they haven't rejected the job. And, you know, it's it's a big problem. So I think that's really playing into it. There are people that are making more money, um, you know, more net money sitting at home uh, than they would if they went to work. And that's that's just ridiculous for our government to be providing that kind of incentive that really is make it's going to make things worse in the long run. You're, you're exactly right. It's a short-term gain for a long-term detriment. And and we're seeing this nationally, Ray, not just uh, in Missouri, but, uh, you know, last week economists were expecting uh, in excess of one million new jobs to have been created in April, and the new and the actual number was around 200,000. I mean, I was watching CNBC. I watch it a lot. And I was watching CNBC when those numbers came out, and the reporters thought it was a typo because yeah. the, the number was so far below estimates. And that reflects the idea, the reality, that there are lots of jobs out there. There are millions of people who claim to be unemployed, but the unemployed people are not filling those jobs because of this issue of being overpaid to stay at home. That was a great idea when the pandemic started, but I question that now. Hey, we're coming up here on a break, Ray. Can you stick with us through the break? Because I've I've got a few more questions for you. This is a fascinating conversation, and I don't want to just rush you off the phone because uh, we have to take an obscene profit uh, uh, break here in order to make some money for the radio station. So, No problem. I'll be here, Brad. Ray McCarty, President and CEO of Associated Industries of Missouri. Uh, Brad Young, at your service here on X, as they used to say, don't touch that dial. Work or play, KMOX is right there with you. We go where you go. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young here on KMOX chatting with Ray McCarty. He's the president and CEO of Associated Industries of Missouri. Ray, thanks for sticking with us through that break. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Brad. Hey, we want to talk about, uh, at least I want to talk about vaccines for just a moment. And, and you know, I represent employers uh, predominantly in uh, workers' compensation defense situations, but I represent employers all across Missouri. And, and I've been frequently asked about whether employers, whether they can just mandate that employees become vaccinated. And, and while the answer to that legal question is yes, employers can require vaccinations as a condition of employment, I frankly haven't seen a lot of companies other than Clayco Construction here in the St. Louis area make vaccinations mandatory. Have you seen many companies across Missouri indicate that they're going to require all of their employees to be vaccinated? You know, that's a that's a great question. And as you said, it really does involve businesses talking to their legal counsel and getting advice. We have seen uh, healthcare workers in, in particular, healthcare uh, places, hospitals and such, 
that have required, you know, they, they used to require employees to have all vaccinations anyway and have flu shots and things that others of us would consider optional. They've required healthcare workers to have that, um, you know, have those flu shots. So it wasn't a big leap for them to ask those workers to uh, get COVID mm-hmm. uh, shots and vaccinations. Um, but other types of businesses really have been playing it by ear, and I think it, it varies uh, based on the, the employer that you talk to. Um, most are just advising their employees to get vaccines. They aren't requiring it. And that seems to be one of the more effective methods because if you tell someone they have to do something, you know, it immediately causes a negative reaction. They say, sure. well, you can't make me. Um, but if they're encouraging their, their uh, employees to get the vaccination, that seems to be the best route and the thing that works the best for most of the companies. I think uh, we're getting to a point where uh, people that want to get vaccinations are beginning the process or, or somewhere, uh, you know, in that in that uh spectrum of getting both shots or one shot that does it all or whatever. Um, and then there are some that are just not going to do it. They're going to wait and, and see. Uh, maybe they have special health care concerns, or maybe they're just concerned about, you know, the vaccines in general. Uh, there are people who are concerned that, you know, we didn't have a long period of a number of years to try these products out, and so we don't really know what happens when a person uses them for a number of years. So there's some, there's some genuine fear of uh, vaccinations, I think. Um, and I think that's something for an employer to consider as well. You know, with, with the trouble we just talked about, having uh, enough people to fill positions, I think the last thing people as employers want to do is scare their employees off. Well, Ray, you, you literally took the words out of my mouth, and I was going to make that exact same point that I see these two issues as being connected, not so much as a legal issue. And that's why people call me during the day and say, can we legally do this? And even though the answer to that may be yes, depending on your circumstances, that may not be the best option. And and, and in the current hiring environment, if you if you already having trouble hiring quality employees, I think the last thing that a business wants to do is to scare away members of their workforce by requiring a vaccine. Uh, when really it, it may not even be necessary for them to take that step. That's exactly right. And many employers, you know, we've had a long time now. It's been a year since this thing broke out. A lot of employers have made changes at their places of employment, and they put up barriers between employees when they can. They've tried to make sure they they space people out more. Um, and I think that is those types of solutions are probably better than requiring everyone to have a vaccination, especially when, you know, as we just discussed, if you can fog a mirror, you're going to get a job right now um, if you want one. The problem is, the you know, getting people to come in that have the right skills um, to, to get the jobs and then getting people that just have work ethic to, you know, actually come in and, get the training and then stay and work the job. It's all, it's all connected. And uh, I think you're right. It is. And, and, you know, although last week's national job numbers, I think were certainly far lower than predicted. And we've talked about that. There's, there's really no doubt that the economy is really on an upswing, but how would you characterize the business outlook for Missouri for the remainder of the year? I think it's uh, very much on the upswing. I, I, we're starting to see more and more businesses getting back to normal. I, I talk with my members, and a lot of my members are having really good years. Um, so I think the the economy was headed upward, you know, when all of this happened, and it's picked up where it left off, with the exception of the employment 
issue. And actually, you know, we were having trouble if we if we think back, Brad, to um, the, the Christmas before COVID hit that March. Um, we were having trouble then finding people to fill positions, um, but not like we are now. It's it's like the problem now is ten times worse than it was then. And I think really the only thing that's changed is this additional unemployment money. Yeah, it it is. Because if you you look back uh, a year and a half ago, we were having trouble both nationally and regionally of finding employees. But But the people in the job force, the number of people who are actively in the workforce was much higher then, and the unemployment rate was much lower. So today you've got the problem of people out of the workforce who are being incentivized to not get back into the workforce. And to me, it's 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 just a, it's a bizarre way of looking at it. Whenever you're you're saying in Washington, I don't understand why people aren't coming back to work. Oh, by the way, if you don't come back to work, we're going to pay you money to stay home. You know, whenever my daughters, whenever my whenever my daughters were starting to drive, and I told them, I said, listen, if you wreck the car, I'm not going to punish you by giving you piles of money. Okay, I'm going to punish you by taking away the car. I'm not going to give you something of a benefit if you're doing something wrong. And yet now we have folks who who are being disincentivized to going back to work. And I just don't think it's that complicated of a problem to figure out. Well, that's true. And, you know, we have some bills that would fix that. Uh, Representative Dan Shaw uh, has filed a House Bill 649 that would reduce the number of weeks that you can get unemployment when the unemployment rate is very low. Um, that makes sense to mm-hmm. you know us because you know we, let's let's provide the help for those people that need it for a short period of time while they find something else. But there really isn't an excuse right now for not finding a job because there are so many jobs of varying skill levels that are out there. Um, just about anybody that wants a job could get a job uh, right now. So it is it is a very difficult thing, and we're trying to deal with that with legislation, um, you know, that would reduce those number of weeks. There's also a, a quirk in Missouri's uh, employment law where you can get paid severance pay. If you're fired from a job, you can get severance pay, and then you can collect unemployment at the same time. So, you know, this bill has fixes for that in there as well. But, uh, no, it's it's difficult. And then you have the problem also of those people that obtained unemployment during the COVID um, onslaught of all those claims. And, you know, maybe not fraudulently so, but they did get overpayments. They got payments they weren't entitled to. And so the Department of Labor, when they started trying to get those back, you know, that was another problem because hmm. some people had been given bad advice. They'd called into the Department of Labor and were told they were eligible. They got the money, they spent the money, and now the state says, no, we want it back. Um, Same with the federal. So we have some bills that would deal with that as well and allow some of those things to be forgiven. That's all well and good, but where do you stop? You know, you've got to stop it at some point and tell people, look, we have jobs available, let's get back to work. And I think if everybody did that, our economy would take off and really excel. Yes, you're exactly right. It would. Ray Bacardi, president and CEO of Associated Industries. I know you are a strong voice and a strong advocate for businesses in Missouri, whether it's large companies or whether it's a mom and pop restaurant. You're an advocate for businesses in Missouri, and I want to thank you for that. If folks well, want you. more, if folks want more information about how to contact you or to partner with Associated Industries of Missouri, how can they reach you? They can find us at AIMO.com, AIMO.com. 
Well, uh, I hope folks will go there because I, I hit your website often. Uh, I get your newsletter. It's very informative. And uh, I just, again, I want to thank you for being a, a voice uh, for Missouri businesses. Ray McCarty, well, thank thanks you. for joining us this evening on KMOX. Thanks, Brad. Talk to you soon, my friend. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back from this break, we've got some more. There was some more cancel culture topics that I didn't get to. But if you've got some thoughts on whether it's uh, – Uh, the business climate or people getting back to work or how can we incentivize folks to get back to work? That's really the key. I mean, that's that's one of my issues. And I'll get into this a little bit in the next segment about why we need to control violence in the city of St. Louis, because if violence is uh, on the track that it's on now, what companies are going to want to come to St. Louis? None. And that's going to end up hurting folks who need help the most. KMOX at your service with Brad Young, 314-436-7900. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't just listen to the news. React to it. We are the voice of St. Louis. Everyone is welcome. Well, I hope you're not in a stranglehold this evening. Brad Young on KMOX at your service. We're here to get you out of that stranglehold. That's what we do here on Camel X. Thanks for listening. And uh, uh, earlier this hour, we've been talking some more about this cancel culture idea. Uh, not cancer culture. That's a completely different thing. I guess that's uh, uh, if you smoke too many cigarettes. But we're talking about cancel culture. The idea that you express your opinion and you get fired for it. You express your opinion, you get banned from social media. Uh, you express your opinion and you can't find work. And that's uh, that's unfortunate. And one of the things that that, uh, uh, that got a lot of attention recently uh, was when Facebook banned President Trump. And what's interesting is, is that they have this review board. It's called Facebook's Oversight Board. And the Oversight Board, I believe it was on Friday of last week, came out with their opinion stating that, uh, that, that Facebook could, according to the policies of Facebook, they could ban President Trump. But they slammed Facebook because Facebook doesn't have any objective way to measure whom should be banned and whom should not be banned. And the other thing is, is that it lacked a clear guidelines on how long these kinds of bans should be in place. And so the review board, although they ultimately supported Zuckerberg's decision to get rid of President Trump from Facebook, they were very uh, uh, they were very um, hard on Facebook in terms of these policies are inconsistent and they don't have objective guidelines. What's interesting to me, though, looking at it from a legal perspective, is that one of the members of this oversight board is a former federal judge, and. His name is is Michael McConnell. He's no relation to Mitch McConnell, as far as I know. But his name is uh, Michael McConnell, former federal judge. And just today it came out that he, even though he's on this oversight board, he was extremely upset with Facebook uh, because of this arbitrary and inconsistent enforcement of rules. You have to understand legally. Uh, One of our callers a, a little while ago talked about being pulled over for a speeding ticket. One of the legal concepts that we have in this country is that laws cannot be arbitrary. They cannot be 
capricious and they cannot be enforced inconsistently. So let me give you a great example. If you're driving on the highway and the speed limit sign says 65, speed limit is 65 miles an hour, and Mr. Police Officer pulls you over, and you say, well, Mr. Police Officer, I had my cruise control set at 65. What's the problem? And the police officer says, well, I know the sign says 65, but uh, uh, I just decided after polishing off uh, four donuts in the car that I'm going to start writing tickets if you go faster than 60 miles an hour. Okay, You would come unglued if that police officer pulled you over. Why? Because he's, he's, he is enforcing the law inconsistently. It might be 65, it might be 60, it might be 70, depending on how I feel today. That doesn't work. Laws cannot be enforced that way. And yet that's how the Facebook rules are being enforced because you have Maxine Waters, who's literally calling and instructing people to get more confrontational. She's not kicked off. And then you have President Trump, who uh, was not, at least in my opinion, in any way inciting people to violence on January 6th. He wasn't telling people to storm the Capitol. He didn't say that in any way, shape, form, or manner. And yet he was kicked off of Facebook because people got upset. And I think they got upset, really, because of uh, the content of his speech, not his incitement to violence. Because if the problem was truly, truly we are just offended by anyone who incites others to violence, then why hasn't the left gotten upset about Maxine Waters? Because they like the content of what she says. They don't like the content of what President Trump said in particular, or what conservatives or Republicans, which are not synonymous, but what Republicans or conservatives say in general. I think that's the problem. So what the judge recommended is something that I've been advocating for a long, long time, and and that is uh, uh, advocating taking up and adopting something that the Supreme Court adopted as far back as 1964. It's called the Brandenburg Principle, and it was, it was established by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1964 in the case of Brandenburg versus Ohio. You may not have heard of this case. Let me just talk about it briefly because it's extremely instructive to our current circumstances. Back in 1964, uh, Clarence Brandenburg, he was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. He was clearly a racist. Uh, he would describe himself as a racist, and he was advocating uh, that that there should be negative consequences against black people. And that speech, folks, is reprehensible. It's wrong, it's reprehensible, and it probably even qualifies for hate speech. But that doesn't mean the speech should be banned. So in 1964, Mr. Brandenburg was talking about the possibility of revenge against black people and even Jews and announced that the Ku Klux Klan would be marching on Washington, D.C. on July 4. Sound familiar? <laughs> Sounds a lot like January 6th, not so much against black people and Jews, but against, I'm upset, there's the possibility of revenge, and we're going to march on Washington. And so he was convicted in Ohio for advocating violence. And that case went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court said, and they struck down under the First Amendment, they struck down that conviction against Mr. Brandenburg, even though I assure you that 100% of the Supreme Court agreed that what Brandenburg said was wrong. It was morally wrong, morally repugnant. 
and not well, a, a person wearing a black robe on the U.S. Supreme Court in 1964, before I was born, but not a single one of them would have agreed with that speech. But that's the beauty of America, because if someone has the ability to control what you say, they have the ability to control what you think. And that's the reason why we have freedom of speech. That's why it's such a it's such an important freedom that we have. Otherwise, read 1984, read George Orwell's Orwellian book. And uh, of course, I guess any book that George Orwell wrote would be technically Orwellian, wouldn't it? But it gives this picture of the future where the government tries to control what you say for the sole and exclusive purpose of controlling what you think. And that's a big idea that needs to be addressed in this country. So the Brandenburg standard is essentially this, that speech, even if it's hate speech, even if it's reprehensible speech, even if it's morally repugnant speech, it is still nevertheless protected speech as long as you are not directly advocating violence. And I wish that Facebook would adopt the Brandenburg standard. That's what Judge McConnell wants on Facebook. He's on their oversight board. That's what I think Justice Thomas, although he's not stated that publicly, he would be uh, in favor of that as well, I would presume, because that's a standard that's enforceable. It's objective. It's not arbitrary. It's not capricious. It's objective. And it says, if you advocate for immediate violence, that speech is not protected. If you're advocating for a call to action, even if it's morally wrong, the government can't punish you for it, and neither should Facebook, neither should Twitter, neither should Instagram. And I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I would always welcome your thoughts. 314-436-7900 KMOX at your service. We'll be back after this break. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.